0: Well, some of you are clapping. I'm just stressed out after watching that. That's our goal for the next month or so is to stress you out at the beginning of the sermon with that. Hey, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, If you and I have not gotten to meet yet, my name is Nathan, and uh, we just are happy to have you here this morning. As you probably noticed, we are starting a whole new series for July and the beginning of August called Refuel. And before we even dive into the message, are these signs not awesome? on the side here, that was Jeff and Lori Graham, Julie and Georgia Burns, Dan Rodriguez, Kevin Schmidt, Suzanne Kakura, so thank you guys for putting that together, and actually those signs aren't for you, they're for me, see what, I've instructed John, if the the message gets boring, start blinking those and I'll do something, I don't know what, but maybe we'll just blink those more, but anyway, uh, thank you so much for being here, will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come together during these summer months, which for for many of us, the calendar has slowed down maybe a little bit, at least a little bit. And if not, if there are those just in the thick of it, we we pray that, uh, as we talked about already, that they would feel refueled um, in engaging you. And so do that for us today. uh, Let your spirit just soften our hearts and Um, Inform your word, illuminate your word to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one one overriding idea that I want every single one of us to keep in mind, and actually we still want it to be on your mind and in your heart that it's on this sign. It's simply this fill up now or pay up later. Fill up now or pay up. Later, and I bring that up because I want to share three brief stories with you uh, that I have no doubt you probably see yourself in. You probably recognize an experience in your life. But the first was years ago when I've mentioned to you I had a lawn business years ago. And my dad had this saying that he would always give me. And if you have ever been in the service industry, you've no doubt said and heard this saying, and it was simply this. The tools and the equipment that you work with, if you take care of it, well, it will all take care of you. And so that was, that was something that he reminded me of over and over and over. And so I did my best to take care of the different, like, the mowers and the trimmers and all this stuff that I had that I would use to, uh, to run this lawn business. And one day, uh, I was driving down C470 here, I was heading into Ken Carroll Valley, and I had noticed my gas light was on in the truck. And I was like, you know what? That thing always comes on way too early. I know way better than the gas light. So I thought I'll be fine. So I I turned onto Ken Carroll, headed west, back into Ken Carroll Valley, got about a mile and a half up the road, and what happened? The truck started to sputter a little bit, and suddenly I realized the gas light was right. For the first time ever, the gas light was right, and I realized, well it's okay, I've got gas cans. I've got gas cans. Go back, I've got two gas cans. Check the first one, what do you think? empty. Check the second one. What do you think? Empty. It was like quarter inch of gas. And so with two gas cans in hand, I did this. That's actually not me. That's, well, that's Ken Carroll Valley right there. Those of you who, I'm just kidding. So with two gas cans in hand, I began the walk. Now, if you live in Ken Carroll Valley, you know this. It is deadly back there. I mean, you could lose your life walking the roads of Ken Carroll Valley. Okay, there are bears, there are mountain lions, there are rattlesnakes, there are predators like deer, (laughs) bunnies, butterflies, yeah. All this could have happened. And I had two gas cans. If I had had one hand free, I would have had my, my weed eater that didn't have gas in it that I could have swung, I guess, but so ran out of gas. And I sat there and I thought, I wish... I wish I had filled up. Well, it reminded me while I was walking of another time. I was mid-wrestling match in high school, mid-wrestling match, and I was just getting destroyed by the guy I was wrestling, and there was the time stoppage between the first and the second period. Went over to the coach at the side, and um, I said, hey, you were, you were trying to show us this move that I think will work on this guy a couple weeks ago. He's like, yeah, hey, Harrison, that's why you don't mess around in practice. Do you remember what you were doing that day?" And I flashed back, and I realized I wasn't paying attention to the coach that day. Some teammates and I decided to turn high school wrestling into WWE wrestling, and so we were all pretending we were like Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker, and this is how we're trying to pin each other. And, and suddenly, in that moment, I realized I wish I'd been paying attention. Then, you know, you've probably had this happen. I remember a time my wife called me and she said, Nathan, I have something very important to tell you. And I was like, oh, go ahead. And then what do you think happened? Phone. Phone went dead. And I went, I really wish I had charged my phone. I really wish I had charged my phone. So I drive all the way home and I'm thinking she's going to profess her love to me and it's, she's just going to like just be so appreciative. And you know what She said, I needed you to pick up hot dog buns at the store. It was was really, really important. And I went, I wish I had charged my phone. I wish I had run in practice. I wish I had paid attention to the coach. I wish I had refueled. See, in every instance, in every single instance, reward, the difference between regret and reward later on, is taking the opportunity to refuel right now. We used to say this to teenagers when we worked with the high schoolers. We used to tell them, if you have not decided and if you have not opened God's word and looked at God's word and determined what he's telling you now, it's too late when you get to the party. When the heat of the moment hits, it's too late to decide where you stand. It's too late to go look up what he has to say. And it's not that you couldn't literally go look it up in that moment, but the heat of the moment doesn't cause us to think in those terms. And the same is true with what is coming up on the calendar soon. Because for many, and I don't want to be a reminder, okay, but in a couple months, we head back. We head back into the next fiscal year. We head back into the next school year. Things pick up. The pace picks up. And there is is a heat of the moment that hits. And if we wait until the heat of the moment to refuel, if we don't fuel up now, we could very well pay up later in the form of a decision we made, of something we wish we had done in the form of a regret. And so we're taking this time right now, not to stress anybody out, as Flight of the Bumblebee maybe did for a little bit, for a few of us in here, but instead to take this time throughout July, beginning of August, to refuel. And as we'll see this morning and in the coming weeks, refueling is not necessarily a what as much as a who that we refuel with. And so this morning, just practically speaking, I just want to look at two areas, two places where we could refuel and we could take the opportunity right now to refuel. And then at the end of it, I want to teach you this and show you this prayer And it's an incredible prayer. So we're going to be in Psalm chapter 19 for a few minutes this morning. If you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there. If not, it'll be up here on the screen. But I want to dive into Psalm 19 because it shows us so much, not just about us, but who we refuel with. Take a look at Psalm 19, verse 1. David, King David, said this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Now, we understand this, don't we? I mean, you can very literally, after church, go out, look up in the sky, and it will tell you something. It will give each of us some knowledge. The, the presence or absence of clouds in the sky will tell us, well, there's a storm coming, or it's going to be clear. It's going to be maybe even hot today. We get that during the daytime, at night. What do we do? We trace out patterns in the stars. We find constellations. In fact, my dad was a, uh, he was in the Navy and Coast Guard, and sailors, they have this saying that they live by out on the seas. And it's simply this. Red sky at morning, sailors take warning. Red sky at night, sailors delight. That does not help you here in Colorado, okay? Let me tell you what will help you. This was ancient wisdom that came to me the other night, 4th of July. On the 4th of July, if there's rain in the sky, your children will cry. They will cry. (laughs) That was uh, Socrates, I believe. Actually, he just made that up. But it was the truth the other night. Every time we tried to start fireworks, rain. But we get this, the skies. King David says, all you have to do is look up. In the skies, the heavens will tell you something. But David says, it doesn't just tell you what you need to wear today because of the weather. It doesn't just show you some cool constellations. It proclaims the glory of God. And he continues: they have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Now I wanna I wanna just rewind a minute on the first part of that verse. They have no sound. And I think this is why we miss it so easily. Because what do we often pay the most attention to? Well, The loudest sound. And especially when life gets crazy. Especially when the heat of battle, the heat of the moment shows up. You know what we focus on most? The loudest noises. And King David says, though they say so much, they don't say, they don't audibly say anything but they say so much. Well, he sheds, he sheds light more on this. Verse 4. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. See, creation says nothing, but it proclaims, everything. And he says, look, everything that is touched by the sun, there's nothing that isn't affected by it. Every single thing that you see in creation, when you go outside, it is affected by the sun. It's touched by the sun, and it proclaims God's glory. He says it's so evident. God has set up a witness to his glory, and it's a witness that illuminates his glory every single place for us. In fact, Paul says it this way in Romans Chapter 1, it says, What may be known about God is plain, because God has made it plain. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. He says, look, in every detail, in the pebble that you kick down the road, in the gigantic mountain that you take a hike up. What can be known about God has been made plain, it's been made evident, it's been made clear. That means when I look at the detail of the smallest of creatures, the smallest of rocks, I can know that God's nature is that he knows every detail of my own life. When I get out onto the water, If I'm in a boat, if I'm on top of a mountain, I can know that in the biggest things of my life, God's nature is I am with you. I'm in this, this proclaims my glory. You know what I think we do? We miss it. We miss it, we have all this glory around us. It's so plain, it's so evident. But what shouts louder than those silent skies? Our phones, right? Our screens. I mean, this is not new news to anybody in here. But so it goes in the heat, and the frantic pace of our lives. When things pick up, what gets glory from us? We often go to the screen to see the glory, don't we? And the idea is simply this, that if I'm disconnected from the work of God's hands, if I'm disconnected from the work of God's hands, then I discount his glory. If I find myself disconnecting from the work of his hands, I will discount his glory. Uh, not this year, but last year. We went to the Rockies game for the 4th of July. And how many of you have been to the Rockies on or around 4th of July? You've seen the fireworks show? Okay, we had this upper deck seat. And as much as everybody talks about being on, down on the field level, on 4th of July, you know where you want to be? Upper deck for sure. So, these fireworks are going off in front of us, and I mean, I could feel the residue from these explosions, like, hitting me in the face. It was amazing. Actually, it hurt a little bit, but, and just the the kaboom would just hit you in the chest, and I'm just thinking, this is amazing, and my wife is hitting me on the arm, because guess how I was watching it? Just like this. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that how we engage the work of God's hands? We put something between us and his glory. We put a screen there as if, now be honest, how many of you actually go back and watch the video you took? Liars, liars, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. No, I do too, but it's about once. And then I'm moving on. I'm moving on after that. Why not just engage with it? But what happens is we see dimly. Scripture tells us we see dimly because of what? Because of sin. We don't readily connect with the glory of God because something has gotten in the way and so something else is needed. And this is where King David is going in this psalm. He says, after, after you realize that there is a barrier that can easily get in between us and God's glory through the work of his hands, He says, then you realize he's given us something else. Verse seven says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Now I want you to see something here and you you maybe noticed it in English, but it's definitely apparent in the Hebrew here. There is a word, there's a transition here from the Hebrew word for God to the word for Lord. It's from El, or however it's pronounced in Hebrew, to Yahweh. And it moves from God up there to Yahweh. It's personal, right here now. And David is making this shift with this psalm. He's saying, from big creator that seems so distant to now personal, And look at what he has to say. He said, God personally knows. Look at what he says about the law. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. You know what God says? He says, I personally know how to use my word to refresh your soul. I personally know. I personally know. Look what it says. It makes us wise. I personally know how to use my word to make you wise. The precepts of the Lord are right. And what does it say? It gives joy to the heart. He says, I personally know how to use my word to give joy to your heart. I personally know how to use my commands to give light to your eyes. It's personal. It's personal. He continues in verse 9. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. And all of them are righteous. And one of the things I think we do, and I notice I myself do, is I'll often look everywhere but here to get joy, to get wisdom, to get light for my eyes. I will look everywhere but right here. I'll look to self-help books. And God says, no, I have a, I have a God help book for you. But we look everywhere but here. And I think David would say, this should change our reading list right here. If I could engage, if I could understand all that the word of God can do for me, I'd start here. I would start here to give light to my eyes in order to see his glory all around me. Well, he continues in verse 10. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey honey. From the honeycomb, And David would know. King David would know. I mean, think about it. He's a king. And kings have this item that he just highlighted in this verse. What is it? Gold. Gold, this, this symbol of this king's status, his power, his wealth. It was gold. And gold was the currency that would gain so much for kings. And he says, you know what? When I, when I take a look at God's word, it has more. It has more power than all the gold I've got. David as a king knew that, but David as a shepherd knew the other piece of this. He says, it's sweeter than honey, because as a shepherd, what was David constantly looking for out in the fields? It was honey. Honey, this this readily available substance, didn't take much time to digest. It could provide instant strength for a shepherd. In the fields. It was sweet. And he says, when I engage God's word, it's richer than all the gold. It's more powerful than all the gold. It's sweeter. It's more nourishing than any of the honey that I come across. One day, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, <clears throat> relative of Jesus, he, he was in prison. And John, as he was in prison, actually sent some of his disciples to Jesus one day. And he said, Jesus, here, now, keep in mind, here's the one who said, he's the one. He's the one. He's the Messiah. He's going to redeem us. He's going to save us. And then John is sitting in prison, can't see outside of a cell. And he asks this question. The one who had proclaimed it said, Jesus, tells his disciples, go ask Jesus, Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Are you the one? Because as I look at my jail cell right now, I I can't really see it. I don't really see the glory of God in all this right now. And Jesus knew exactly what needed to be sent back to John the Baptist. You know what it was? The Word of God. The Word, because Jesus knew. Jesus knew. You see, he looked at John's disciples and he said, Go back. Go back and tell them. The blind see, the dead are raised. Those who are sick are healed and made well because Jesus knew for John and Jesus knows for you and for me that the most nourishing thing we could get is his word. The most powerful thing we could get is his word. This fall or whenever the pace picks up again and you feel like you're running on fumes, he says you want to know what will fuel you, what will fill you up more than anything else? It's the word of God. And he says, so here's what happens. Here is what it does for someone. Verse 11 By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. In other words, the difference between regret and reward later on is taking the opportunity to refuel with his word right now, it's taking that opportunity. And, and one of the things that I notice in my life over and over and over is we think we know what it says. Many of us, this sits on our shelf because we go, I've already read it. I already know what it says. Or, or we, we miss that time in prayer because we think, I already know what God's going to have to say about this. So I, I, if I know, I don't need to spend the time. If we're, if we're disconnected from the work of God's hands, we discount His glory. If we're disconnected from the word of God's mouth, we distort our glory. You notice how that works? There's a man named Chain Gailey, college football coach. And he was very successful years ago. And there was a year when he was head coach of Troy State, the school in Alabama. Now, Troy State nowadays, if a school is playing Troy State, I think they before the game, they just count it as a win. Because Troy State maybe just isn't known for football success right now, but there, there was a time that they were actually playing for the national championship. In the week of that national championship, Chain Gailey was in his office. He got up to go out to the practice field, and right as he got out the door, his secretary ran out, and she said, hey, Chain, uh, Sports Illustrated is on the phone for you. And Chain Gailey went, oh, man, I know what they want. They want an interview, or they want to do an article, but this is championship week. And then, as he thought about it a little bit, he said in this interview, he said, then I thought, actually, an article could be great exposure for our football team and for our university. And then he realized they were probably going to want a cover photo, and he started thinking through in his mind, well, I wonder if I should just pose for a headshot, or if there should be an action shot, or what. So he went back in, thinking about the answers to all these questions, picked up the phone, He said, hello? And they said, this is so-and-so with Sports Illustrated. Is this chain gaily? And confidently, he said, yes. And they said, well, we're we're calling because your subscription is about to run out, and we're wondering if you want (laughs) to renew. Isn't it interesting how we think we know what God has to say to us? And when we think we know, it's easy to skip the time. With him, whether it's out in the work of his hands or time with the words of his mouth. And so, David, King David, lands the psalm. And here's what he has to say He says, You want to know why you engage the work of his hands and the word of his mouth? Verse 12, but who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults, keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. So you get out into the work of God's hands and you recognize the glory of our creator. You also recognize how short we fall of that glory. And so when you get into the word from God's mouth, you know what you see? You see that he's a God who reconciles. He says, I know you fell short, But in these pages is my response to that. I can restore that. I did restore that when I sent my son to the cross. In order, in order that we would display his glory. He continues. He says, made these words, and it's this prayer. It's this prayer. He says, made these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart Be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. My rock means King David has been out in the work of God's hands. And when you've been out in the work of God's hands, you realize, God, if you could do that, then I know you can do that for me. And then that word, it just jumped out to me all week long. My redeemer. When I get into the word from God's mouth, you know what I'm reminded of? I'm redeemed. And you're redeemed. Because he says, I want to redeem what? The image of God. I created you in the image of God. For what? That your life, your very being, every breath would bring glory to your creator. So he says, even though sin got in the way, I redeemed it. And so I just want to teach you a prayer that I believe God answers every single time that sprang forth from this psalm for me, and it's simply this. Simply this. Draw me to the work of your hands and the word of your mouth so that I display your glory. Draw me to the work of your hands and the word of your mouth for the display of your glory. And I tell you that prayer because I don't want you to do in your life what I did one morning dropping off Lainey, our oldest at preschool. When she was four years old, I took her to preschool and I dropped her off and I'm walking out in the parking lot and I could, you know, I was on my phone, so I'm looking at my phone and I can see off to the side of the corner of my eye my car, so I'm kind of moving that way while I'm still looking at my phone, but I didn't need to look up at it because I already know what it's like. And I guess I could have looked at identifiers on our car, like the license plate, but I don't need to read it because I already know what it says. So, opened the door, got into the blue Honda Accord, and I went, my car doesn't smell like this. And then I looked around and I went, I don't have leather seats. And then, true story, looked in the back, and there it's sitting on the middle of the back seat, a chihuahua, with a pink spiked collar (laughs) and a low rumble coming from its voice box. I was like, I don't have a chihuahua with a pink spiked collar. The last straw was when I looked in the cup holder and there was a hair scrunchie there and I was like, I don't keep my hair scrunchie in the the drink holder, I wear it on my wrist. Oh my gosh, I'm in the wrong car. But I assumed I knew what it was like, and I assumed I knew what the license plate said. I got out, owner was walking up, went, wrong car. She was like, mm. and I was like, wow, it's really true. Dog's personalities and owner's personalities. <laughs> exact same. But that's what happens when we assume from a distance that I already know what his creation's like, and I already know what his word is going to say to me. And so I'd invite you this summer, a time of rest for many of us. Join us throughout July, beginning of August, for refuel. And what we're going to discover, you're going to hear from a few different people. What we'll discover is that he has he wants to refuel us and inform, and inform our value and our image, the way we talk, what we place our dependence in the pace of life that we go at, the relationships that we're part of. Come back and join us. I'll invite up the worship team for us to close. Will you pray with me, Heavenly Father? Thank you so much that you are a God over and over and over. We get to see the mercy of your patience. When we think, we know. When we keep arm's length, from getting out into the work of your hands and engaging the word of your mouth, whether that's reading your word, engaging in prayer. And so I pray that you would, over this next month, inform us at a foundational level so that when the pace of life picks up and when we walk into that, that you would remind us that your spirit would inform us of these core things about who we are in your eyes, that you are our rock, And we are redeemed by you through the work of Jesus Christ at the cross. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.